This is the Never Broke Again podcast. Hosts Josh and Andrew, bringing you the skills that even if your bank account went back to zero, you still will never be broke again. And start doing it. So we got Tim, Tim Stone. On Good morning. The Never Broke Again podcast today. Uh, Tim met Andrew, who's celebrating his 30th birthday today. Happy birthday to Andrew. So it's just going to be me and Tim today. And Tim's going to tell us what what skills he's learned out in Tennessee where he is that uh, is going to ensure that he never goes broke. So happy to have Tim on. And Tim and I were chatting a little bit. He said he's doing some real estate investing in Tennessee, and then he's business development at a another company. So I'm I'm interested to uh, hear what you got going on. So happy to have you on, Tim. And what sort of real estate investing are you currently doing? What are you, where are you seeing real estate going? Share share yeah. some thoughts on that. Good question. So real estate's a little tricky right now. Um, Late 2022, everyone knows that interest rates have gone up a lot. Um, I did just buy a duplex like a month and a half ago, maybe uh, up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So my favorite asset class of the real estate is just multifamily, like apartments, Mm -hmm. duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, just really just because like someone moves out, you're still making money more so than just one house. Mm-hmm. But um, I think since prices have gone so high in the last few years, we're probably going to see prices come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a crash. But just like if, if you look at the numbers, like from a 3% interest rate a year ago to now a 6% interest rate, like your monthly payment is significantly higher. And that's what people are buying. They're not really buying a ton of houses in cash. They're buying the monthly payment. Mm-hmm. So buying power is down. I think that's going to bring prices down. Yeah. But if prices come down, it'll probably bring more people into the market, more demand, prices go back up. We'll see. Yeah. How, how come so many people have recently been wanting to get into multifamily? Do you feel like people are really passionate about it? Or do you feel like they just feel like that's the best way to get rich? It's an interesting question. I, I kind of see a lot of people. That I don't I mean a lot of people that are like passionate about being a landlord. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see a lot of people, I, I like to call them like YouTube syndicators, like they learn how to syndicate multifamily from YouTube videos. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. And like you can, I know a lot of people that have made millions and millions of dollars or added millions of dollars to their net worth, at least just by syndicating large multifamily real estate deals. I think the reason why so many people are getting into it now and maybe they claim to be passionate about it or, or maybe they're just doing it for the money. It's because of how powerful it is. Like you got 200 units, you raise the rent by like 50 bucks and you can you can be a millionaire just by doing that. Like no one's going to move out over a $50 increase, but over like 200 units, I, I don't even know what the math is. I'd have to pull out a calculator, but that's going to add millions of dollars to your like 10 grand property value. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do the maths for you. So say 50 bucks times 200 units, 10 grand 10 a grand? month. 10 grand a month. So 120 months, a year. 120,000 in new value. Divide that by, let's just say a six cap. That's $2 million in added value. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how does the one get the, how, how does the one buy that though? Cause like, how do you, how do you qualify for these sort of things? Cause it's not yeah, like a conventional mortgage. 
it's uh definitely a little bit more wild wild west Mm -hmm. yeah you have to have the right team uh someone on your team has to have the net worth to qualify for the loan so like when i started i was 19 i i couldn't be on the loan like there was no point even trying um so you got to have a team of people and usually they call him the key principal which is the guy that has the net worth to qualify for the loan Mm -hmm. and he's going to be a part of the part of the general partnership that puts together the deal okay so so what would that look like let's just say we me and tim right now want to go buy like a five million Mm dollar multifamily. like could you explain to people who don't know how to do that like what that process would look like yeah so Assuming you've got the deal, you've underwritten it, looks like a good deal, submitted an offer, and now we're buying it. Like, we've got to get the financing. Mm-hmm. Um, you would probably reach out to your network and, and put together a team for this deal. And you'd probably do that before you go into it. But like, hey, we got this deal. You know, they've accepted our LOI, run our contract, we're in due diligence. This is what we need. We need mm-hmm. to raise say a million and a half dollars put together. Like if you don't have the network to raise a million, like you don't know where you're going to get it. There's so much money out there. Like someone is just a capital raiser. Like that's what they Mm -hmm. do. They just raise capital for deals like this. You can find someone like that. You can find someone like all they, all they are is the KP for deals. Like they just want to make sure it's a good deal, sign off on it. They've got the network to qualify for the loan. What's a KP? Uh, The key principal, the guy that has the network basically. All right. Yep. Gotcha. So you, you would you would just you would just put together a team and now there's so many people that do multifamily syndications now that it's like you can find them anywhere. You want to make sure, of course, that they're a good team, but um, those would be in very simple terms how you do it. Uh, now, we don't do a typical syndication like that. That's how most people would do it when they're referring to a syndication, but we kind of do our real estate differently. Right. Is there like a dark side to this? There's got to be some sort of like dark side that you don't hear about in terms of putting these deals together or, you know, items that people don't tell you about before you get into it, just because no one knows what they don't know until you get into the game, right? Uh, I, I'm sure there is. What do you mean by a dark side to it? Like there's some sort of like dark side to it. Like I'm sure there's been times like, deals go awry or like certain obstacles you have to jump over, especially because um, and I don't know anything about multifamily, but like I would assume mm. that like your problems are probably compounded just as much as your investment returns can be. Cause if like one thing goes wrong, a lot of things could go wrong. Yeah, it, it's true. And, and a lot of the things are going to come from not having an experienced team that knows what to look for. Like, say you could buy a deal and now they've got plumbing that was installed in 1912. And now you have to replace all the plumbing and it's going to take all of your budget. And now you're not going to be able to cash flow. And now you're going to lose the deal because you spent, you know, $2 million to replace the plumbing in an apartment complex that was not accounted for. Mm-hmm. So things like that could happen. Uh, one thing that does happen to a lot of people is say someone says, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And they've got a course or a program and it's like $30,000. Um, and 90% of the people that join that are not going to do a deal. So that you could maybe consider that the dark side of the, the industry as a whole. Yeah. That's but there's good. always things that can go wrong. Yeah. I mean, so what does like a good team look like? Like, do you need like a, like a plumber? Do you need a, 
um, someone who manages the property, like what's, what's that team? So it's like a basketball starting five. What's like your starting five for like a multifamily property. So the, the property management is going to be the most important. I'd probably say they're the point guard. Like okay. they're going to, they're going to manage all of the tenant relationships. They're going to manage, you know, 90% of the repairs and the relationships with the plumber and the electrician and stuff. So like, I don't have to call a plumber or an electrician for any of our apartments. I used to do it. I used to do all of it. Actually, I was a property manager, which was um, quite the learning experience for, yeah, what was that like? <laughs> for a while. Um, so I'll tell you, our first deal was 48 units. So 48 apartments. And I was going to be the property manager. We closed. I went to the, you know, the title company office. They handed me a bucket of keys and said, you're in charge now. It's like a bucket <laughs> that was of pretty random much keys? A, a bucket of like hundreds of keys. Um, some of them weren't labeled. Most of them were, but some of them weren't the right keys. And there was like, yeah, you're in charge now. Uh, <laughs> like You're the property manager let's uh you know let's do this deal and um and kind of go into that deal if you want to hear how it turned out is a uh, quite the experience and turned out pretty well yeah you want yeah tell me about it did, so did you, you want to finish the other part what happens next yeah so i'll break down more of the deal so we bought the deal for about 3.3 million uh, we raised a little over 900,000 from investors to buy it it had 13 vacancies and it was like severely under rented under market value in a very nice area that was like very up and coming top golf had just been built chick-fil-a just opened starbucks just opened like it was a very up and coming area and um it was a street of duplexes it was 24 duplexes 48 units some of them had garages you know they're all at least two bed one and a half bath and some of them were rented at like 500 bucks a month like two bed, one and a half bath with a garage for 500 bucks um, in a very nice up and coming part of Chattanooga. Like that's unheard of. Um, so we kind of had to go, you know, through the process. First, we went with the the 13 vacancies doing the renovations. That was also um, a learning experience for me because I was doing a lot of the work. Like I was painting the units. I was like ripping out carpet, all the, um, yeah, all the dirty work. Getting your hands dirty. Yeah, get my hands dirty, figuring out how to do it. And it was good that I did it because I now have good expectations on how to manage it and, you know, what other people should be doing for us. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, I was I was going to Ace Hardware like every day and buying eight or nine gallons of paint, one bucket at a time. Like I would just load up eight buckets of paint into the car and uh, found out later you could buy like five gallon buckets and it's a lot. <laughs> like. Like probably 65, 70% cheaper to do it that way. Uh, but no one told me. Like every day they just let me come in and buy eight one-gallon buckets. But um, so that, that was a good lesson to learn. <laughs> no no one's going to help so buy you. Buy your paint in bulk. Buy your paint in bulk for sure, especially if you're painting 13 houses at a time. Um, so I, we, we did the renovations, got them rented, got a good feel for the market and what they could rent for. So we were getting them for like, 1100 1200 some of the nicer ones even went for 1350 a month mm -hmm. um so once we had a really good feel on what the rent was uh we, we did a round of rent increases um kind of meeting meeting people in the middle so it wasn't super sharp and maybe some people wouldn't have done did, it this did way. anyone we get did, pissed we'd, 
Um, not really. Eventually, I mean, people moved out. No one really got super pissed. But what we did was like, here's where your rent's at. Here's what the market rent is. Let's meet in the middle. And when we did that, I don't, I don't think anyone even moved out. Uh, and it was reasonable. Market mm-hmm. rents like eleven, twelve hundred, and they're paying like six hundred. Um, and then a, later on in the deal, we eventually got everyone up to market rent, and a few people moved out, but most of them actually didn't. I mean, we they were nice units; they're in good condition. We took care of them, um, and it just took a while to get to that point. But once we got everything to market rent, got the vacancies filled, we actually sold the deal. Uh, 14 months after we bought it for a little around 5.1 million. So we mm-hmm. made like 1.7 in a year, pretty much. Yeah. What was the benefit yeah. of selling versus just keeping it? It was just a timing thing. Like we, we could have kept it. We could have refinanced at some point, taken money out, but that um, you could only push the value of the property so far. Like once the rents were at market rent, so you, we just kind of took that money, put it in another deal. It was very similar, like a 45-unit deal, mm-hmm. kind of doing the same thing. Because getting from three to five is better than from five to maybe five and a half over mm-hmm. the next three or four years. So it's kind of just like the time value of money. Uh, we we could have kept it, but also the way we have our fund structure, there was a, a point in time where we need to return the capital to the investors. So it just made sense in this situation to sell. Mm-hmm. Did you want to sell? Like, if you didn't have to, would you would you be kept it? I I would keep anything we could ever get our hands on, but yeah. um, which is what I'm doing personally. But uh, just for the sake of the fund and the investors, you know, we got them like a fifty percent return in a year, uh, and then we walked away with money in our pockets as well. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So is this the current deal you're working on, or no? We sold that one back in uh, February. So you so we, sold, got sold a, all of them. You sell, you flip, yeah, we, we've got we got forty five units right now. Yeah, we pr- basically flipped it. We got forty five units right now. We're kind of doing the exact same thing, except I hired a professional management company. I fired myself from that role, uh, so they're they're handling all those things and um, renovations and whatnot. Hmm. Gotcha. So, so the property manager you said is like the point guard. Who who's like the uh, right? Who's like the defender? Uh defender uh well everybody's got to be the defender yeah in basketball and in real estate you, you know you're playing defense but also offense at the same time because right. uh, you want to protect the capital like that's the number one rule in investing is don't lose money but the real goal of investing is to get rich basically mm-hmm. <laughs> um to to keep it short and sweet but um and the your your partners who are putting the deal together looking for the properties are very important um your broker is very important because that's where we've got every major deal we bought was directly from a multifamily real estate broker. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, Hey, this deal's coming up. I think you guys should make an offer on it. This is what I think it'll do. Um, keeping in, you know, cause they have all the relationships. A lot of people, I and mean, if you're selling a three to $5 million asset, you're not going to do it by yourself. You're going to use some sort of professional broker. So a lot of times a broker will sell the same deal. Like, several times over 10 years because well the guy that bought it from him now knows him and is gonna just sell it with him because he was happy mm-hmm. and it kind of just happens so the real estate brokers who are and multifamily brokers are a lot different than 
single family, like just buying the house down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game is completely different, but because uh, they deal with different people, it's it's a whole different, you know, commercial real estate versus you know just the home next door. But um, yeah, that's I mean that's very important. Like having a good real estate broker on your team, that's where you're going to find the good deals. Yeah, and I mean with everything in the world, have you seen anything with issues with rents being high with everything that's going on? Have you all seen anything or is everything just business as usual? Cause uh, a lot of people are freaking out. Yeah, it, it, it we've been really careful the last six months or so um, with interest rates changing a lot. It just makes it more expensive to run a real estate operation in general. Rents can only go so high. Like the, the market really determines it. Like if we tried to rent a one bedroom in Chattanooga in the areas we're invested in at like say 1800 a month, we would just never get anyone to rent it. Like it doesn't matter how little or little supply there is out there. Like no one's going to rent it. Uh, the market just wouldn't be able to withstand that number. Um, I don't know that rents are going to go down. It, not very likely, especially with, inflation and it just costs more to run real estate. So it's going to cost more to live at a rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, repeat the question to me because I, I kind of went off on there. But, so like with everything that's going on in the world, have you seen any slowdowns with rents or anything like that in your rental multifamily business? We haven't. But I also think it's kind of due to the location. So in Tennessee, mm-hmm. there's so many people moving to Tennessee. Um, it might be a lot harder in states like California where people are leaving. And I know it's harder in New York where people are leaving or have left over the last two years. But Tennessee is having a consistent inflow of people moving there. Um, companies are moving here like Facebook to spot a bunch of property or Meta spot a bunch of property in Nashville. Uh, a lot of tech companies are coming in. So there's jobs and there's growth and people are making more money despite things that are happening more people are coming and not a ton of development is happening there's still a lot but not as much as you know there would be if if we had two percent interest rates again but there's just there's still a demand in the markets we're in because we're really only in chattanooga tennessee Mm -hmm. and people are moving there every day for every person that's moving out there's two more people moving in Um, yeah why are people leaving tennessee any reason i and there's a billion reasons anyone would have to move like you know family job whatever or maybe people are moving to nashville maybe people are moving to atlanta i actually just moved to atlanta uh, about two months ago so any reason like but basically what the statistic is is like for people that are leaving there's more than double moving in Mm mm-hmm is there any parts of the country that you've like searched out that you feel would be like a good place to start buying up real estate? Like we had uh, someone on who's talking about Utah. I've, I've heard so much about Tampa, Florida okay. in the last two or three months. Like so many people are moving to Tampa for some reason. And uh, luckily the Tampa in particular didn't get hit terribly by the hurricane. Uh, Fort Myers and a little bit south of there, it was like pretty destroyed. So it's maybe um, need some time to but before you go into that market. But I, I think Tampa is probably going to be one of the hottest cities the next few years. Okay. 
Is that your next spot? You looking at getting anything I, down there? Not looking too heavy, but I, I've been keeping an eye on Tampa the last couple months. Okay, cool. Yeah, what but I'm still still buying things in Chattanooga um, mm-hmm. consistently. So you'd say you're like a Tennessee Tennessee specialist when it comes to like real estate. That's like what you know. Yeah, I, it just so happened that because I lived in Chattanooga the last three years, just so happened that we had the connections there, knew the market really well, and it was a good market to buy in. Um, right in between Atlanta, Nashville, Birmingham, Knoxville. Um, so just the growth of all of those cities that are really hot right now, it, it's kind of benefiting from it as well. Mm-hmm. And we've got no state income tax in Tennessee. So people love that. And uh, it just happened to be right place, right time. Like lived in Chattanooga. Are you, now you from Tennessee or? I'm from you, Georgia. You're from Georgia. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna ask if you uh saw that football game yesterday. Everyone in Tennessee is probably still partying. Yeah. So I, I was telling people this weekend's the first time in my life I said the words "Go Vols" just because <laughs> they were playing Alabama. But uh, no, it was good. I was actually up there uh, in Tennessee for um when that game was going on. What does that win mean for Tennessee? Like for someone like me in Florida, who's never like been to a volunteer game or lived in Tennessee, like what, what does it mean to beat Alabama other than just like everyone wants to beat Alabama? Tennessee just, they've had a really strong fan base and they just have not been good. They've sucked most for like of my a long life. time. I feel like, like, yeah, like I think it was like 16 years since the last time they beat Alabama. Like they've just not been good. And, to, to tell you what that what, what that win meant to people, they tore down the goalpost and threw it in the Tennessee River. Like it was just nonsense. Like the all, the crowd just dismantled the field post or the field goal post and carried it out of the stadium. Like hundreds of people carried it and they just threw it in the river. Like it's it's just insane. I don't I don't know. Um, but but we'll see how the rest of their season goes. They're doing pretty well. Yeah, we'll have to see. So you're in multifamily. Is that your main focus? Do you do anything else? Tell me tell me a little bit more about about Tim Stone and what you got going yeah. on. Yeah, so in investing wise, personally, I've uh just bought a duplex under contract on a quadplex right now. Um looking at a seller finance deal in Tucson, mm-hmm. Arizona, where I would potentially be able to buy a property with no money down. Um, so personally, I'm, I'm pretty focused on real estate, understand it pretty well. So do you not need any money for this stuff? Can you just like make the right deals and just like, I don't want to say bamboozle, but, uh, finagle deals. Like if you don't have like a lot of capital. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you you get like no money down? Like you just work out a deal with the owner. Yeah. And and that's going to be a lot more common the next few years. Um, kind of depend on what the economy does. So like 7% interest rates just has a lot of people not even wanting to buy properties. So there's still a billion reasons someone would need to sell their property. So Mm -hmm. they can just get creative. Like in this case, uh, she owns the property free and clear. She does not want to be a landlord, has a lot of things going on in her life that just um, being a landlord or a potential lawsuit or something like that just isn't even worth the couple hundred bucks of cash flow to her. Mm-hmm. So it's just sitting empty. I was like, well, would you consider 
taking payments on it. And there's a lot of different ways to structure the deal, but basically I would just give her a monthly payment and then rent it to someone, fix it up or whatever. And that rent would be higher than what I'm paying her. She doesn't have a mortgage, so she can, you know, three or 400 bucks a month is fine if she never has to think about the property again. And then I can rent it for say 1200 bucks, but I don't have a mortgage other than. Mm. So who you know, owns it in that, that case? Does, does this person still own it until you pay them off? Like how does, how does that work? You, you can, you can do it a couple different ways. Uh, in this case, I'd probably own it. So it'd be seller finance. So the title would go in my name and they would carry a lien on the property uh, on mm-hmm. the title. So it's kind of like they're the mortgage, like they're the bank. If I don't pay her, she could foreclose on me and get the house back. Another way you can do it. And keep all the money you paid her? Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. I can can see why people may do that. Right. So she's completely, she's as protected as a bank would be if you bought a house. And then uh, you could do a lease option, which is where I would not own the property. They'll still own it, but I just Mm -hmm. have basically full control for, let's say, you set the option date to be two years from now. In two years, I have the option to buy it at a set price that we determined you know, at the beginning of the contract. Mm-hmm. But I'm technically renting it and just paying her a monthly payment. And then I can do whatever I want. I can just rent it to someone else. Gotcha. Do you have a do you have a an option that you prefer? Or do you are you just like whatever gets the deal done? I, I think seller finance, just because now you own the property you have the equity. I could, I could just sell it tomorrow if I wanted to. And, and no one would have that uh, other say in it. Like if, so say we sell or financed it, the title's in my name, I'm just paying a mortgage to her at some date. It's going to have a a balloon payment where I pay her off um, Mm -hmm. probably five years, even though the loan would be 30 years, it'll have a five year balloon date where I'll pay her. But if I decide that I want to sell it tomorrow, because I, I'll make a hundred thousand dollars selling it profit. I can do that mm-hmm. with so the lease option, a hundred percent, and then you keep the difference, right? Because it's my it's my property. Gotcha. But with the lease option, uh, a lot of times you could do it maybe with no money, but you don't own the property at all, mm-hmm. like until you buy it, you'd have to get a loan. Um, but in the seller finance case, you do own it. You know, you can do whatever you want with the property. It's interesting. This depends now, depends on what they're willing to do too. So basically, like not willing to sell it. Is there like a who's involved in this process? Like, who do you need to like draw this up? Do you need like an attorney? Do you need like a bank? Yeah, I I would always recommend a real estate attorney, mm-hmm. and then uh, you don't need a bank, but you would need some sort of um, closing mediator. It depends on the state. Some states like Tennessee, it's just a, a title company. But I think gotcha. Georgia, they use they use closing attorneys. So it, it depends on the state, but they do all the paperwork, you know, record the title transaction and the county records, all that stuff. Well, that's cool. That was a, yeah. a very good way of explaining multifamily to people who may not know about it. Yeah, I hope so. so I guess the big I, question is how do you find the deals? Like, how, are you just searching the internet, like cold calling people, banging on doors? Yeah, all of the above. I, I keep an eye on the internet, but really, especially in a in a market like Chattanooga, the internet like LoopNet is where a deal goes to die because it couldn't be sold um, otherwise. Because all of these brokers have 
really tight relationships with the local real estate investors, even some out of state, like the people that are doing deals, like they, they don't need to put it on the internet. They have, you know, the guy's phone number. So if a good broker can't sell a deal to everyone in his immediate network mm. and then puts it on the internet, it's probably not a good deal. Mm-hmm. So the, the relationship side of it, at least in multifamily in a market like ours is pretty important, but then you can also, you, you can find out who owns any property. Like it's all public information, find right. the phone number, call them, ask so them if they just, want to sell. Let's just say someone wants to find deals, but they don't want to be involved. They want it to be more passive. Let's just say someone finds a deal and they bring it to you. How, how can you potentially partner with people who may find a good deal for you to help them capitalize on capitalize on and, and vice versa? Yeah. So the, the, the different parts to a deal is like the person who finds the deal and the person who finds the money. So sometimes if you have no money, you can be that person that finds the deal and then kind of collaborate on there, either paying a finder's fee, which if you're in multifamily, one to build long-term wealth, that's probably not what you want. What you probably want is a piece of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always, I mean, in a five to $10 million deal, there's always, you know, some way to cut someone in, especially if they brought value, like they brought this deal, it's going to make millions of dollars. You know, we can give them a percentage, mm. you know, put them in the deal, uh, part of the general partnership, or if they just want to be in the limited partnership, however. Okay. Everyone needs to keep that in mind then. Yeah. So if you can find a good real estate deal, someone will give you either money for it or give you a part of the deal for it. And because that's what they're looking for. A lot so that's of people how you make money with no money. That's how you make money with no money is you bring real estate deals to people who have the money, but don't have time to cold call or door knock or, you know, track people down. Interesting. Yeah. If you cool. find a good deal, it will come. Yeah. And there's people that gotta make sure uh, you're protected with some sort of agreement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And there's, there's people I know that's what they do. They just, you tell them what markets you're looking in and they just scan everywhere, find multifamily real estate deals. And uh, they just want to cut of it. And they're not putting the deal together. They don't have the property management relationships. They're just finding the deal and then getting in on it. Yeah. So if anyone finds good deals, hit hit up Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Send me a message on Instagram and we'll we'll do something. Yeah. Tim Stone. Yep. Don't even need to spell it. It's that simple. Yeah, it's pr- it's a pretty easy name. <laughs> I've never never had someone misspell it, I don't think. Well, cool, Tim. Uh I felt like this was I learned something. Okay. So if I learned something. At least one other person's got to learn something about this. So everyone needs to hit up Tim if you find a good deal before you hit up Grant Cardone or anyone else. Make Tim seems a little nicer than Grant Cardone, so I'd rather hit Tim up. Even though I did yeah, see a picture of you with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I um I I got to meet Grant Cardone in Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, I've got my uh it was pretty cool, but I just walked up. I was like, hey, can we take a picture? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And then, like, that was it. But I, I've got a, my book collection of – I don't read books. I actually just listen to audiobooks. But I've got, like, this is the collection, and then these are the people I've actually met 
So I like got to move the Grant Cardone books to the other side. Oh, that's <laughs> some cool. some of them are nobodies. They just happened to have wrote a book and gave me a copy, but Perfect. it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Well, cool, Tim. Appreciate you being on, teaching us about multifamily, and hopefully someone hits you up with a deal. Hopefully. Yeah, let's make some Maybe money from together. Tampa. Maybe someone from Tampa. <laughs> Maybe someone Florida. from Tampa. If if someone from Tampa had a really good multifamily deal, I, I'd imagine we'll make some money together. <laughs> cool. Or Chattanooga. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tim. Enjoy the rest of your day. And glad to have you on the Never Broke Again podcast, all right? Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Peace out, Tim.